Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller Podcast. I am your host, Peter Wheatmartian, and we have a great episode for you this week. We're going to start off with our Biz Buzz segment, throwing it all the way back to our very first episode with a discussion on Amazon keywords and Amazon categories. And that's especially important because in our second segment this week, I interview an author that we have worked with, Chantelle Moynihan, who is releasing her first children's book today on Amazon called Max and Jules, How to Be Brave. And we are really excited to help Chantelle realize her dream to become a published author. And we hope that if you listen to the show today, that is December 12, you go onto Amazon and pick up a book for you and your family because she is aiming to become an Amazon bestseller. Also, this week, we want to give you a quick reminder that next week, that would be December 19th, we will have our last episode of this year. We are going to take two weeks off to end this year for the holiday season, so we will not have a show on December 26th or January 2nd, and we will be back on January 9th with a full episode to kick off 2024. So we hope you can take the last two weeks of this year to celebrate the holiday season with you and your friends and your family, and we will see you back again here in your podcast feed to start 2024 on January 9th. Yeah, so, you know, it's really been interesting to watch what's been happening with Amazon recently. Um, You know, for many years, we've been able to, as authors, go in and choose up to three categories, which we all know, but it was also possible, and this was kind of a well-known secret, it was also possible to go back in after you got your book published and request up to 10 categories be added to your book. Did you guys know this? I had no idea. No, myself personally. Yeah, for years, it was kind of a, a best kept secret. And it really was one of those tricks that people used to get themselves onto a bestseller list and not necessarily, it was sort of like gaming the system. And Amazon finally kind of said, we're done. All right. Um, we don't want to do this anymore. We want to give authors as access to as many categories as they deserve, but we don't want people to be gaming our, our system and choosing to be bestsellers when they're not. So what they did, and they didn't give us a whole lot of notice on it either, what they did was they simply said, we can't do anymore, that they would no longer add the 10 categories. Okay, so now you get, uh, you can have up to three categories, okay, when you, when you actually go into Amazon with uh, publishing a new book. And that, that, that's two in KDP and um, you can get one, one additional one in, in print as well, okay. So, and some of this is still changing, so uh, don't hold me to it if, if it's not exactly like that, but it's pretty close. I've been watching it for a while. So, But what they did was, instead of us requesting to be added to up to 10 categories, the algorithm is doing it. Amazon is the, 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 it's automatically looking at the categories you choose, obviously. It's looking at the subcategories that are underneath 
or, or above those categories. And uh, it's also looking at your keywords. So let's talk about keywords for a second. Most of us think that most people who are working with, with, with book publishing, self-publishing, think that keyword means one word. It doesn't. You can put as many words as will fit on that line in the key line. So you have seven categories for keywords that you can use in Amazon. And that keyword, a single keyword, could have three separate words in it. They don't have to make sense because the algorithm is just going to take all of those words that you're using. These are the key, key phrases that someone might search for your book on. And it's going to take all of those words individually and compare to your categories. And it's going to choose up to 10 additional categories for you to be in, for your book to be in. So you're saying, Candy, that for keywords, it doesn't have to be just one word like nonfiction or cybersecurity. It could be cybersecurity, healthcare, digital. Whatever. Yes, Colleen, that's exactly what I'm saying. There are a limited number of characters per keyword um, section. There are seven sections of keywords and you have you can fill up all of those characters. Now, obviously, you know, you, you can't if, you, if you've got three characters left and you don't have a word that's three characters long, you're going to lose that space. But still, if you put four characters, four words in there, that's, you know, that's extra words. And, uh, and it works because of the algorithm. The, 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 it's, it's all computer driven. We know that. So yeah, Colleen, that's exactly how it works. That's why it's important to do that, the research on what's the, those words being able to be searched, which yes. people will know. Keyword research is absolutely critical. And every single author who should, should be doing that or having it be done for them. Uh, if you're if you have an assistant, an author's assistant who's working with you, make sure that he or she knows how to search keywords and how to search categories. Well, so I guess um, my my big takeaway from this is I know in the previous iterations it felt like the category research was really the most important, but it seems like keyword research now is more or less the the big uh driver of your amazon um rankings is that kind of what i'm picking that's up there exactly, that's exactly what that's exactly what it is peter they've they've turned the cat they've turned the, the 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 corner if you will and taken the keywords to a level that they haven't really made obvious as critical now amazon has always said those keywords are critical but they've never really pushed the how, how it worked with the categories to give you your ranking, but that is definitely how it works. You know, and I think that's kind of a neat, um, a neat change as well, because I think it gives you, the author, a, a bit more control over what you want to, to describe your book as. Um, you know, it gives you a little bit more freedom to uh, really put yourself and your book in the right categories because sometimes some of the categories while they were good and descriptive not every book fit as well into those categories yeah and and keep in mind too that one of the one of the the tricks one of the ways that people used to game the system was to take their book and find an obscure category that only has 300 books in it 
and all of a sudden you're an overnight bestseller. Well, you can't necessarily do that now. You might be able to do it, but you won't be able to maintain it that way because the algorithm is, is, is not going to pull up that category in the future for you in the same way as it does in the beginning. Yeah, I'll say one of my favorite stories about uh, gaming the system, if you will, is um, back uh, you know a few years ago, we were interviewing a man who uh, was a an author and he gamed the bestseller list by uh, he basically created a two page ebook with a picture of his feet. And he put it out on some really obscure category and he had like his five best friends all buy the book. And since it was such an obscure category, it became a bestseller in that category, you know, and I, I guess what this change is doing is kind of removing that possibility. Yes, it does remove that possibility, or at least it, it changes it. It's not going to stay. It won't stick in the category because it's going to, it, it'll, the algorithm is going to show it up eventually. You know, I know that might be a little bit of a, a change for some authors out there, uh, but I think in the long run, it's going to help the consumer, the reader. And I think in the, in that way, it's going to be a good change in the end because people will know what books are actually about what. You're right about that, Peter. They, the authors have actually been quite up in the in arms about it, those who knew about the 10 category request. And so they were, and there was no warning. Overnight, the, the, that particular option was gone. Uh, so there was quite a bit of conflict for um, probably, well, for several weeks. But it seems to have laid down, uh, settled down now. And I think you're right that the authors are understanding that this is, even though they don't have the direct control, they never did have direct control because Amazon still had to do the work. Um, now it's automated and it, it's still up to them. It's still up to the authors, still up to the team that's putting the book out. Make sure that uh, the research is done. The keywords are the right keywords. And the categories are the best categories to rank that book. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that does provide a little bit more competition for the authors, but I think uh, that also means that uh, we're going to hopefully see the the real quality books really take take control, and you know, it's not just going to be um, willy nilly like we said. Two, two pages of people's feet to uh, become a bestseller. And I think in the long run, it'll probably be uh, more beneficial to, to the whole industry. It will be. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the preponderance of AI written content is going to tie into this, but that's a topic for another day. Yeah, I think that's um, you know, I think that's a really good um, a really good overview of the the category keyword change. Is there anything else, Candy, that um, we should uh, let our listeners know about? Not at the moment. I do keep a pretty close eye on this, so uh, if uh, anything else changes, I'll I'll definitely come back and and we'll speak about it again. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for uh, providing this week's BizBuzz topic, and uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll be hearing more about Amazon and the keywords in the future.
This week's episode of the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast is brought to you by us at The Author's Voice, and specifically our new collaboration book titled The Right Way, Conversations with Publishing Pros. Leave your mark on publishing's future stars and watch The Right Way become the go-to guide for writing blockbuster books. Don't miss this opportunity to inspire the icons of tomorrow. Learn more about The Right Way, Conversations with Publishing Pros, on our website, theauthorsvoice.org forward slash the right way. That's the right, W-R-I-T-E way. Once again, that's theauthorsvoice.org forward slash the right way. Spaces are limited, so please be sure to apply to be a contributor in The Right Way, Conversations with Publishing Pros today. Do you have questions about how you can become a contributor to The Right Way? Visit our website, theauthorsvoice.org forward slash the right way, and ask us today. Or please reach out to us through email, info at theauthorsvoice.org. joined today by Chantel Moynihan-Rector, who is a lovely children's book author that we've been working with over the past few months. And um, she is joining us today on the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast. And I'd love to turn it over to her to just let her introduce herself a little bit to you. Thank you. Um, my name is Chantel Moynihan-Rector. And um, to be called a children's book author is an honor. And I'm very excited about um, putting having put together a book to help children with issues with anxiety. That's really great, um, Chantel. Um, one thing, um, can you just kind of tell the the listeners we have today a little bit about um, the book? Um, I know it's a um, it's a it's a fun little book. I've worked with you getting this together. So can you just tell us a little bit about what the book's about and who's the main character? Right. So the two dogs are my personal home dogs. Um, one is a retired police dog who worked in a city in New Hampshire for six years. Um, and he is relaxing and enjoying his life. And then he has a sister named Jules. And she has been a stay-at-home dog. I don't even know. That's not the right term I would use. But um and she's very afraid of a lot of things. And I, the premise of the book is that Max is looking at her like, what do you have to be afraid of? Why are you afraid of so many things? And he asks her if she might actually be a cat because he thinks she's a scaredy cat. And she clarifies that she's very much a dog, but then starts to realize she is afraid of a lot of things. And she's not sure why she is and how to handle those things. Oh yeah, that's a that's a that's great. So would you say that Max is a little bit like Juliet's um almost like a role model for her? Yeah, he's like her guide into um reflecting on how she can handle her anxieties better. Well that's great. Yeah. So um is there any is there any reason that uh, this story kind of came to you? I know you've got some history with um, your your middle school teacher, so I wasn't sure if there's any kind of connection there. 
Yeah, so I've been a middle school counselor for over 20 years and have seen a real increase in anxiety in kids. And I remember having dogs when I was growing up and never noticed any of them having anxiety. And but definitely could notice Jules's anxiety. So I started to connect the two like why are kids feeling more anxious and why are dogs feeling more anxious? And why is Max, who has been in some interesting situations with his work as a police dog, um, so calm compared to someone who has not really had a lot of trauma in her life or hasn't been exposed to um, many situations that would warrant her to be anxious? And I wondered what he would wanted to say to her to calm her down. And then I wondered what he would say to the kids to get them to calm down or to feel less anxious. Oh, that's a, that's a great connection. And, you know, and I love how you're using, you know, dogs, something, uh, pets that many of us have in our own homes to kind of share that lesson with young kids about, you know, even something as serious as anxiety, because I, you know, I think you're right. It's a great, um, uh, it's maybe not a, um, a an epidemic, if you will, but you know there is a rise in anxiousness in in kids today, and I think it's a great way to, you know, kind of share some some different um, uh, mechanisms, coping mechanisms on how you can kind of uh, be a, a less anxious kid. Right. I think I'm not. I mean, I don't like to blame everything on COVID, but I think that time at home and that isolation and where the kids were spending a lot more time on social media um, kind of catapulted the anxiety to the next level. And so I thought it was good timing. Oh, yeah, I think you're, you're right. Um, So, you know, one question that I have is, um, and maybe you can share this with our listeners is, um, so how did you and Max come to, to be, how did you become dog mom to Max? So my husband was a police officer and he was Max's um, handler. And when he retired, we kept Max. And so that's how we ended up having Max. That's how we have Max at home. Oh, that's really great. So, uh, you know, I'm guessing, you know, Max has been a big part of the family, even when he was a working dog. Very much so. Yeah. He's, he's always been our hero. He's protected my husband from a lot of situations He keeps us feeling safe at home. Yeah. Oh, that's really great. I know, um, I know just the love of a dog is, you know, so special, but, you know, someone who is out there, you know, working to protect you and and the family and the the communities, you know, it's got to feel nice to have that um, security. Yes. He's very special dog, no doubt. Oh, that's really great. Um, Can you, um, and we've talked a little bit about about Max. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Juliet, Jules? So her name is Juliet because she was born on Valentine's Day and the kids wanted to give her a name of love. And so, but we often call her Jules or Jujus. And she is, I I don't even know. um, She's very on edge a lot of times. She's always between our legs, but she also can sense when we're feeling off. And so she will often um console us when we're having a hard time and she's an interesting dog for sure 
Um, and she's fun to watch <laughs> because she is afraid of a lot of things, but she's just a puppy compared to Max. Max is pretty old and she's only three years old. So yeah, she is still a puppy. She's still got a lot of energy. I bet. Yes. She keeps <laughs> Max young for sure. Oh, that's really good. That's, that's, it's interesting because, um, I actually have a, a 13 year old beagle boxer mix. Who's, uh, an old lady we call her. Um, but, uh, we, we do also have a, a young three-year-old lab as well in the house. And, um, yeah, the, the, the puppies keep keeping our old one nice and active and having fun. So I know that that's a, you know, it's, it's great to have two dogs like that. It really is. As much as I think she drives him crazy, sometimes I also know that she keeps him going a lot too. <laughs> that's really good. I'm um, honest. <laughs> that's really good. Yeah. Um. So I want to just talk a little bit about you know I, the we, you talked a little bit about your ideas behind where the book came from, but kind of why did you decide? Hey, um, let's write a book. I'll I'll be honest. It just kept coming to my head it um every time Juliet would get skittish and there would be times when Max would like go walk over to her and and then walk her it's like she'd be afraid of maybe it's a cardboard box and she'd be afraid to come around the cardboard box and Max would walk over and kind of lead her around the cardboard box so that she would come to the other side and so every time that would happen, I would think, you know, jokingly, he must think she's a cat. And then I started to think about, again, like, what would Max say to her if he could? And what would he say to my kids? Um, I I actually will kind of categorize my kids at school. Sometimes I call them my Maxes, and sometimes I call them my Juliets because you know, I have my Juliets that are nervous all the time. And then I have my Maxes who are, who go into situations here at school and have no problem with it at all. And I'll say, oh, that kid's a Max or that kid's a Juliet. And um, we handle both of those kids differently. Types yeah, of kids. Yeah, that's so true. That's, that's great. And I love, I love that. Um, like I said, it's, I love how you're able to uh, pull in the, the, the animal side, because it's something that, you know, all of us have, you know, some sort of connection to pets one way or another, and to, to kind of show us how, how we can be a little bit more, um, a little bit more, uh, like, like the two of them, like Max or Jules. Right. I don't know if I'm humanizing my dogs or if I'm animalizing my students. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, I think we all have the, um, the, uh, tendencies to humanize our pets a little bit. And I think it's great that you're letting them, um, kind of have their own personalities and, you know, let their personality shine. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, throughout the process, has there been anything that's kind of stood out to you or been, um, interesting, something you didn't expect as you were working on the book? Yeah, so when I started the book in my head, um, I had a vision for, sorry, um, what I thought the illustrations would look like. And as I started working with um, the illustrator, I she started giving me ideas. Laura started giving me ideas of, 
things that I wouldn't really have thought of. And I was using those ideas and bouncing off. I have three children at home and they're not really children. I have two adults and a 15 year old daughter, but um, just sending them some of the images that Laura would send me. And it really came a full 180 to what I thought I was going to have for the illustration type. And I was surprised because I thought I'd be really stickler, be a real stickler on what I had expected for the artwork. Would you say that it was um, good to have that kind of design background with Laura to kind of bounce those ideas off of? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's really good. Yeah. You know, I, I think the one thing that um, I would share with any author out there is to work with the people that know what they're doing, because like you said, you know, it's good to have some ideas to bounce off of, you know, some, someone who's got some knowledge and some more experience in, in those areas to, to really help the book become its own. Right. And I think just what you said, just kind of letting go of the reins a little bit and letting somebody who knows, like you said, what they're doing, um, present the ideas and not just be so closed minded as to what what I had expected I guess yeah you know that's that's a great lesson to share with uh with our listeners thank you um you know one one um kind of final thing about the book that I I'd love to let uh, you talk to our listeners about is you know there's a a charity aspect to the book so I wasn't sure if you could just share a little bit about that um to, to, with our listeners well, thank you for that. Um, so Max was trained in what's called the Working Dogs Foundation, and they support um, working dogs from, Max happened to be a narcotics trained dog, but it can be anything from scent dogs that find people who have Alzheimer's who might be lost or kids that are lost. Um, so there's scent dogs, all types of different training of dogs and um, from the states of New Hampshire, Maine, and Massachusetts. And I wanted to thank them. And I also wanted um, to have Max's name continue on when he's not with us anymore, just because he was a special dog and he was a really special working dog. Um, that was called in from from all three states to do some searches for kids or searches for criminals or drugs or whatever it was. He was very good at his job and I didn't want him to be forgotten. And I wanted to support the Working Dogs Foundation. Well, that's really great, you know, to to pass on his, or to keep his his name alive and to pass on the training to to future Maxes when they um, when they come along. Yes. So um, what I will do for our listeners is I will put a link to the Working Dog Foundation into the show notes so you can go and check them out because um, I think that's a very special organization that you're you're working with there and I you know I, I appreciate you uh, sharing the the love if you will with those organiz with an organization like that. Um, so uh, one one final thing is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, my hope for this book is that I'm not one who really likes to use the word anxiety a lot, but I do like to use the word um, brave, bravery. And I think sometimes the two of those can get confused. And that's why the main title of the book is How to Be Brave, because I think that um, people are 
and kids in particular are confused, um, can be confused that by the fact that um, being brave doesn't mean you're not afraid, but being brave means that you can overcome those fears and you can overcome those fears by using certain strategies to kind of talk you through certain situations. That's really great. I love the way you put that. Um, so one last time, could you share with our listeners the title of your book? So the title of the book is Max and Jules, How to Be Brave. Oh, that's great. And um, we are going to have a link where you can purchase um, the book with, for you or your family. Um, it's going to be down in the show notes along with the uh, Working Dog Foundation. And I do want to just um, thank Chantel for coming on and talking with us today. And um, I, I'm very happy to have this wonderful conversation. Thank you for everything. Thank you. podcast is a production of The Author's Voice. I have been your host, Peter Wheatmartian, and I want to thank KZ and Colleen for joining me on this episode to discuss all things writing, publishing, and speaking. Do you have questions about today's topic or would like to be a guest on a future episode? You can learn more about The Author's Voice on our website, theauthorsvoice.org, or send our team an email at info at theauthorsvoice.org. You can stay in touch with Candy, Colleen, and Peter through The Author's Voice on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Links to all of those can be found in the show notes. If you have enjoyed the episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review on the podcast app of your choice. Also, please help us spread the word about the Blank Page to Bestseller podcast by sharing the episode on your social media or by introducing a friend, a colleague, an author, or anyone who would enjoy the discussion to the show.